0: This is Floss Weekly. I'm Doc Searles. This week, Dan Lynch and I talk with Devin Ulibari and Walter Fender of Sugar Labs and Music Blocks about how kids learn music, how you can learn music, how music is connected to math and vice versa, how we're composing music as well as listening to it, how you can compose as much music as you listen to. is it. all possible. And these guys are teaching it. They've written the code. It's an open source project. And this is one of those shows I hope you're watching because we actually do some demo on this. But it's fabulous even if you listen. And that is coming up next.
1: Once again, time for the Twit Audience Survey. The annual survey helps us understand you so we can make your listening experience even better. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it sure helps us out a lot. Completely optional, but if you could, please go to twit.tv survey23. That's twit.tv slash survey 23 you have till the end of the month but if you would do me a favor and do it today i could stop mentioning it twit.tv slash survey 23 thanks in advance podcasts you love
0: from people you trust this, this is twit this is floss weekly episode 714 recorded wednesday january 11th 2023 sugar labs and music blocks this episode of floss weekly is brought to you by barracuda barracuda has identified 13 types of email threats and how cyber criminals use them every day phishing conversation hacking ransomware plus 10 more tricks cyber criminals use to steal money from your company or personal information from your employees and customers get your free ebook at barracuda.com/twit And by ACI Learning. Respected companies and government agencies around the globe turn to ACI Learning year after year to help them maintain their competitive edge. Supporting organizations across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness, ACI Learning keeps your team at the top of its game. Visit ACILearning.com to learn more. Hello again, everybody, everywhere. I am Doc Searles. This is Fluss Weekly, and I am joined this week by Dan Lynch himself there in Liverpool, I assume, because your yeah, just, has
1: not changed. No, it hasn't. No, yeah. just outside Liverpool in England. Yeah. Hey, Doc, good to be back. Oh, uh, happy New Year to everyone. It's the first oh, yeah. time I've had a chance to. I know it feels too late to be saying Happy New Year, happy New year now, but first chance <laughs> I've had uh, this year. So Happy New Year to everyone watching and listening
0: That's and great. yourself, of yeah. Yeah, it's same same here. Um we're one twentieth into the year already, I think. But I know. um I'm here in, in Santa Barbara, my office is Santa Barbara and uh and uh we have had torrential interesting rains. Um I just blogged about it. If you go to Searles.com, com dot com, you'll see what I blogged about it. It's there's this the jet stream across the Pacific is going straight, is is whipping up all these eddies along it. Um mm and you don't see where it comes from unless you there's a great, great site called windy.com. It's also a, uh, an app called windy. And if you go up and look at the highest levels, like their flight levels, um, uh, you can see why planes like to like ride the jet stream in one direction and fight it in, in the other direction or avoid it. It may take as little as five hours to get from Dulles to Heathrow and, uh, mm. eight hours to get back. <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's all of interesting stuff. So, so Dan, I called you in because you're the music guy. I, I could tell by
1: you've at least two instruments in your background. you I Also have yeah. a microphone, so yeah. I do also have a microphone. Yeah, I've got um, I've got uh, other instruments around the house as well, but I'll uh, I'll refrain from from jumping on and, and playing So, so, now. so, what do you play? Uh, what do you? Uh, so I, I play uh, guitar, piano, uh, well, keyboards, um, drums, bass, harmonica. I always wanted to learn the saxophone, but I haven't quite got round to that yet. Uh, it's quite hard, apparently. Uh, so I, that's my next project, is to learn the saxophone, uh, hopefully. But yeah, I, I did go to, I shouldn't say all this stuff because I'll look really stupid late when I ask bad questions, but I I went to music college many years ago after I left school. Um, so I, uh, I wouldn't say I, I'm, I'm not classically trained. I went to a, like a rock college. That sounds cool. It sounds cool. <laughs> cooler than it probably was. <laughs> but yeah, I went and did a, and did a course there where we did stuff like recording, uh, performance technology, uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. So I ended up getting a diploma in rock and pop music. Would you believe? So? Wow. You Excellent. Wow. And, uh, and just quickly before we get to our guests, are you, were you in a band or are you in a number of bands? You um... I've been in many bands over the years. Some people, uh, long, I have, I'm not in one at the moment, but some people watching and listening to this will remember. Uh, I was in a band called 20 Pound Sounds and uh, we had a quite a popular song about Jimmy Carter, um, <laughs> which uh, the opening line was uh, Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. Um, and, uh, that was what the one, the, the song came about because we were having a rehearsal one day and he was on the news and someone mentioned Jimmy Carter and I went, Oh, the one random fact I happened to know was that he was a peanut farmer. So I went, Oh, Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. And one of the other guys went, Oh, that sounds like the start of a song. And then it <laughs> <came from. laughs> and so, so there you go. Oh, wow. Um, so that was good. Yeah. So, uh, you can still find our stuff online, 20 pound sounds it's pounds as in weight, lb oh uh, yeah 20 lb <laughs> uh, yeah so they're still around and you can find stuff on at, at my website danlinch.org there's all kinds of stuff on there so
0: um sorry our, our guests today are with the sugar labs and working with music
1: blocks are, are you familiar mm. with this before the show or is it new to you I, what's it was new to me, yeah. Before we um, we got the information, but I've been I've spent the day messing around with it and uh, doing some research and hopefully figuring out the ins and outs of it a little bit. So yeah, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's uh, it's a really interesting project. I can't wait to talk more about it.
0: So uh, let me introduce our guests. And um, uh, first, Walter Bender, because I'm going left to right on my screen. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, he conveniently has a Wikipedia entry. that's rather huge. Uh, he's a technologist and researcher, it says, who works in the field of electronic publishing, media and technology for learning. He was involved at MIT's Media Lab. Um, and uh, it, it, it it goes on, that he's an alma, a, an alma mater of, of Harvard and MIT, and he was involved with the with the Media Lab, like I said. And, and Devin Ulibari, um is a guitarist. He's performed besides musicians such as Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road Ensemble and many other inspiring f- figures. He's a teacher. He taught at the New England Conservatory, conducted research for the Center for Music and Education, co-founder of the MAP Family Learning Center, which offers instruction in music and so on. I could go on. He works at the Free Software Foundation, which uh, I'm sure our, our, our listeners and viewers would would f- fully approve of. So I'll, I'll just ask you guys first, are you, are you both in Cambridge or nearby?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just outside of uh, Boston to the west and Devin's just north.
0: Well, I, I lived yeah. in Arlington for seven years. So, so what what town are you in? Oh, I'm in, in Newton. In Newton, okay, great, yeah, yeah. And I'm in Somerville. It's the most densely populated part of Boston. I found out at the at the uh, at the uh, the Science Museum. You can click the, you click on the little button that brings up the light in Somerville, and it says, "Nope, this is the most densely populated part," which kind of surprised me. So, so how did how'd you guys meet, and how did this thing come about? Either one of you can answer. Um,
2: So I I was giving a talk at a uh, boss gathering in Boston, actually in Cambridge, but it was, I think the Boston boss community. And I was talking about uh, programming languages for kids. I'd done a project called, uh, or a a language called turtle blocks. And um, Devin came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, you ever thought about doing anything with, with music? And I said, I've been thinking about it forever, but I've never found anybody to work with who knows much about music. And uh, it just happened. Devin, do you want to elaborate
3: <laughs> on that? <laughs> yeah, so, and that. Um, yeah. So I was interested in attending Walter's talk because he was uh, talking about sugar labs. And I became interested in free software maybe about a year before I, I saw this talk, it was just a local gathering. Um, And uh, so I kind of came up with this theory that, you know, if, uh, if kids have access to the source code, for example, and they're given everything they need to remix it, you know, and make it their own, that they'd probably learn a lot from it. So, uh, um When I saw that Walter Bender was giving this talk on uh, sugar labs, you know the operating system, sugar labs operating system, and one laptop per child, I was like, well, this is amazing. I want to hear more about this um, And uh, I didn't know at the time that you know he'd be interested in hearing from a musician, but um, apparently so um, and uh, you know I'll admit when we started working together, I didn't know what we were inevitably going to create. Um, I, I came up with some designs which are radically different from anything that we have today. Um, but, uh, you know, fast forward, um, what, seven or so years later to today, um, we created a visual programming language for music.
2: Just one, one little aside to what Devin just said, just because uh, I'm proud of this fact. 50% of the patches in Sugar came from kids. Oh, wow. So we actually really put a lot of thought into having the kids be contributors, and it worked.
1: Yeah, Thanks. that's huge. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's great to hear that the kids are, are involved and getting involved. Um, so I suppose that leads me nicely into, um, before we get into looking at um, at uh, music blocks and playing around with it. So what's it, What's the kind of technology behind it? Is What's it written in, I presume, JavaScript or something like that? This is probably one for Walter, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so is I mean, that the, what the kids are contributing with?
2: Yeah. The, I mean, no, no. The, so, the, the, the kids were contributing to sugar, which is pr- mostly mm. Python. Right. Right. Um, and then we've had some kids contribute to music blocks as well. With music blocks, basically, what happens, I, I've written this um, programming language, Turtle Blocks, in Python, and mm. then decided to make a JavaScript version of it so that I could reach more kids, kids who didn't have access to sugar, basically and then um but then so we decided to build music blocks on top of the javascript version of the language mm. and uh so it's it's javascript but we do do have uh, a fair number of contributions from kids in music blocks itself and uh we also have a planet where kids share and remix the projects they build on top of mm. that but some of the the core language comes from kid contributions kid commits
1: mm. yeah Excellent, so I was looking um when I was playing around today with music Box, I had a little uh, a little go of it in the browser um it immediately the the visual of it or the kind of uh, metaphor or whatever you want to call it of the visual programming language made me think a bit of something like scratch um which is mit related as well obviously you right, have a right. long history at MIT is there any yeah, was I mean, that there, an
2: inspiration so, in any way I would say in in terms of like the family tree of these kinds of programming languages mm. um Music blocks is like a second cousin to Scratch. They both mm-hmm. came from the same hierarchy, but there's actually there there, there are a few different things that are quite different about Music Blocks than than Scratch. Um, some of them are, are are little details that are just my pet peeves, um, <laughs> you know, about infix versus prefix and things like that. But um, Music Blocks is really about at its at its heart. The, 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 at the core of music blocks is a musical concept called the note. So everything builds from that as opposed to you know, talking to a synthesizer as sort of something you tack onto the language. The concept of a note is inherent in the language. And so by, by a note, basically what we're talking about is a, a temporal quanta that you can position anywhere and then pack things in. So typically you pack pitches into a note. So you'd say, I want to play a quarter note at, you know, of, you know, C or, you know, at this time that that's sort of the but that that but I could put graphics in there or I could put multiple pitches or anything I want inside of a note. So we've got sort of this holder that we can drop things into. Um. So it's really a very different way of thinking about the, the underlying data structures that mm-hmm. the kids are manipulating. And then the other thing is that, um, and I could get that far without Devin. But with Devin, on top of that, we've layered all these musical concepts that are part of the language. So, for example, um, something really quite simple: you can, you know, you can define a, a key and a mode in music blocks, and then stay in that key and mode. So you can talk about not just give me the next note in terms of hertz or something, but you can say. You know, take uh, three scalar steps or transpose this way or that way or invert or, you know, there's all, all these concepts that are fundamental to music that are part of the language itself.
1: Hmm. That's excellent. Um, I, actually, I wanted to ask, um, Devin, about the, uh, when I, I watched one of your videos earlier on the blog, on the, um, on the Music Blocks blog. Uh, and uh, it was, I think it may have been quite an old one, but it was an intro to what you found cool about music blocks and so on. Yeah, so that's the an old one. That, it's okay. <laughs> but one of the things that I found really interesting was um it's not stuck in in musical terms. Um it, it's kind of really kind of freeform. You're not stuck with a 4-4, four, four, you know, time signature yeah. or any of that stuff. You can kind of create whatever you want. So can you tell us a bit about that?
3: Yeah, so um uh you know, working on music blocks, um, you know, forced me to to kind of think of uh, design a little bit, um, but uh, you know, it, it's important not to start from, you know, like you must have, you know, only four beats per measure, for example, um, and state that up front because, you know, that's not the way we listen, <laughs> for one. You know, uh, you know, when someone hits the first downbeat or, you know, the pickup to the downbeat, they start playing like you don't know at that moment, you know, where you are in the measure, right? You don't know what's going to happen next. And a lot of musicians like, you know, take advantage of expectations um, so that uh, uh, so that, you know, they they can do something unexpected later, you know, So, you know, and then there's a lot of music that, you know, switches time signatures, like, you know, we'll do something that's in three, four time, and then we'll do something that's in four, four time. Um, And also, that's kind of an abstract concept, um, whereas just like a note that you can play, you know, and you can hear how long it is, is less abstract. So it's, you know, more accessible, um, you know, readily to, you know, learners at the very beginning. Um, I didn't want to put any artificial constraints on, you know, Mm. what people were going to do. Also, you know, so like if you look at, you know, music like sheet music, you've got yeah, you've got bar lines and they're like kind of in your face. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's like a bar line. There's like something there. Mm. But, uh, you know, when you're listening to something, there's no bar line. There's you know, you don't hear the bar line. I mean, you construct the bar line in your mind. You say like, oh, I, I hear things are repeating like every you know three beats i hear something's repeating there therefore this is in three four time i hear something important repeating every four beats therefore it must be in four four time um you know nothing you know like when you're performing something you don't like necessarily like do something like at the bar line it's it's a measure for a reason like it measures time it's uh it's not like a a thing that you perform so yeah that was that's one of the reasons you know that it's like that but that being said um there is a block in music blocks where you can state you know that you're in three four time or four four time or five eight time or five sixteen time you know like whatever you want and then you can say things like okay so on beats one and two you know do this thing you know play the kick drum you know or you know do x y and z um but uh you know, I think for for people listening and watching, maybe they they will, you know, want to want to see uh, and hear, you know, some of what that is to get a better sense of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. of what we're talking about. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, it is it's form because like an instrument, for example, is freeform like it doesn't have like measures or wire lines or anything. And music mm-hmm. blocks, you know, in its essence is an instrument.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it might be popular for jazz. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or something like freeform jazz. I don't know. um uh, So uh, one of the things that was interesting was because you haven't got, as you said, there's no constraints, and you're you're kind of teaching music and, and programming to kids. Um, is that good? Because good for that because I, kids often don't have the concept of what the structure should I, I, be, and I, I, they come I up with really inventive things. With,
2: with there are no constraints, I, I, I think there actually are constraints. Okay. okay. Sorry. Now you mm-hmm. can bend those constraints any way you want you don't have mm-hmm. to stay in the lane but the lanes are there to give you sort of a, a, a point of departure as opposed to saying you have to do we don't sort of have the kids assume the position but we actually let the kids work with musical concepts and then start to shape those concepts so we have for example you know when you start off music box by default you get you know sort of a western you know piano tuning twelve. Equal temperament tuning, but you can change the temperament. Okay, you can do any kind of. You can define your own temperament or choose from a number of of historical temperaments. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, temperament is this musical concept that's really well grounded into most music—not all music, but most music—and so we give the kids that framework. They don't need to stay in that framework, but we give that framework because that framework is really a powerful way. Again, as Devin was talking about. This idea in music of of expectation and violation of expectation, having these frameworks gives you the expectation, and then you can tweak it and play with it and go off in your own direction. But the the frameworks are there, and I think that's actually a really important part of music blocks. Is that it's not just it's not just raw hurts. It's mm-hmm. the the this framework that you can work from, and and,
0: and yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I want to dig down a little further on 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 how, how it's being used in the world. But first, I have to let our listeners and viewers know that this episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Barracuda. In a recent email trends survey, 43% of respondents said they have been victims of spear phishing attacks, but only 23% said they have dedicated spear phishing protection. How are you going to keep your emails secure? Well, Barracuda has identified thirteen types of email threats and how cyber criminals use them every day. Phishing, conversation hacking, ransomware, plus ten more tricks cybercriminals use to steal money from your company or your personal information from your employees and customers. Are you protected against all thirteen types? Email cybercrime is becoming more sophisticated and attacks are more difficult to prevent. Attacks use social engineering, including urgency and fear, to prey on victims. Social engineering attacks, including spear phishing and business email compromise, cost businesses an average of $130,000 per incident. As demand for COVID-19 tests increased at the start of 2022, Barracuda researchers saw an increase in COVID-19 test-related phishing attacks increase by 521% between October and January. As public interest rises, for example, in cryptocurrency, the opportunity for attacks becomes ripe as the price of Bitcoin increased by almost 400% between October 2020 and April 2021. Barracuda Research also found that impersonation attacks grew 192% in the same period. In 2020, the Internet Crime Complaint Center, that's the IC3, received 19,369 business email compromise, that's BEC. Email Account Compromise, also called EAC, EAC, complaints with adjusted losses of over $1.8 So securing email at the gateway level is not enough anymore. It is still important to leverage gateway security to protect against traditional attacks, such as viruses, zero-day ransomware, spam, and other threats. But your gateway is defenseless against targeted attacks. Protection at the inbox level, including AI and machine learning, Is necessary to detect and stop the most sophisticated threats. Get a free copy of the Barracuda Report 13 email threat types to know about right now, and you'll see how the cyber criminals are getting more and more sophisticated every day and how you can build the best protection for your business, data, and people with Barracuda. Find out about the 13 email threat types you need to know and about how Barracuda can provide complete email protection. For your teams, your customers, and your reputation. Get your free ebook at barracuda.com/slash/twit. That's barracuda.com/slash/twit. Barracuda, your journey secured. So, um, so I'm wondering how, how, how is music blocks being used in schools? I'm wondering if the, if is it entirely the kids picking it up on their own. Are teachers using it? Is it part of curricula in, in schools? Um, what age range are you kind of looking at, and so all that stuff?
3: Um, so it's uh, a mix. Um, so it is being used in in different schools. Um, teachers have uh, lesson plans that they can use. Um, uh, typically, you know, and I teach it, um, and in one of the places that that I teach at, um, Walter teaches it. <laughs> Um uh so the youngest group is uh like 6 and 7 years old that I've mm. worked with. Um and uh right now we have like I don't know about 35 different lesson plans in Japan. Um we work together with the the Ministry of Economics, Trade and Industry um and a publishing company called Gakken. Um it's a very big uh publishing company in Japan and uh we worked together with them to i think they made i don't know about like 10 or so lesson plans in the end and made some videos for teachers to use um they were interested in using these in the public schools because in Japan they have a mandate um that or at that time this was like 2019 that by 2020 they would have computer programming in all the elementary schools in Japan so um they were interested in using Uh, music blocks as one of the tools to teach kids about programming.
2: Uh, Just one other uh, sort of large-scale initiative is in Peru. So during uh, COVID, the Ministry of Education in Peru distributed Android tablets with music blocks on it, and we actually, we translated uh, music blocks into Amara and Quechua, which are two of the the big indigenous languages in Peru, because these tablets were all going out into uh, rural parts of the country so it's uh, got a pretty widespread distribution in in peru um, and then it's just sort of hit and miss beyond that all over all over the world
0: is it is it spreading i'm i'm you've already mentioned japan and peru and two additional um languages within within uh uh within peru I, are people picking it up at random? Do you evangelize this at all? Um, or do you just kind of like deal with demand as it shows up?
2: Well, we're, we're evangelizing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, you know, we're not aggressive marketers. It's just not in our DNA for whatever reason, but you know, we certainly, we're, we are doing this because we want kids to use it and learn from it. And we, we believe in it. And, uh, it's got, I mean, a lot of the pedagogy behind Music Blocks comes from the um, work that I've been doing at MIT for decades uh, in collaboration with people like Marvin Minsky and Seymour Papert. So it's not new in terms of pedagogy. Um, Devin and I uh, participate in a, a community called Constructionism, which is uh, sort of a, a basically the Seymour Papert School of Learning uh, that mm. sort of lives him so uh we're we're trying to get these ideas out into the world and uh yeah any help that the audience can give us towards that end that'd be great but it is you know it's free and open it's you know we, we encourage people to use it modify it remix it do whatever is gonna get the job done for them
3: yeah and uh you know on a weekly basis i I meet with uh, a teacher um, or, you know, a few teachers um, and uh, I instruct them, you know, and give them feedback on their lesson plans. So we have teachers making their own lesson plans um, and, uh, you know, um, sometimes they just need like a little bit of help. Um, And, uh, you know, one in particular is doing a great job uh, creating some new lesson plans. You know like really the sky's the limit um and then also um you know there's some projects on music blocks and we can show you in a second um such as like i've got this virtual whiteboard so say you're not teaching computer programming in particular and you're just teaching you know just general music class you can pull up you know some of these projects and they can be quite useful, even if you're not necessarily going to explain, you know, all the logic behind. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this is music blocks right here. Um, And um, this is what uh, somebody sees when they open it up for the first time. Yeah. So when you, uh, yeah, just keep that open for a second. Um, And then maybe actually, can you click on dough and then, and then just like go through the scale so go do re mi and then go all the way through hmm. yeah so um just right there you have a representation uh of music you know that helps reinforce you know something that a teacher might want to teach it's like okay so solfege is you know part of the musical language um you know here you have them all in order um and you can manipulate them from the very beginning um and uh so you know that's a really helpful thing you know and you can you know it goes in a circle you have do re mi fa sol la ti and then mm. it goes back to dough because that would bring you into the next octave. Um and uh I'm often drawing something like that on the board to show, okay, so these are the seven pitches you have. Um, you know, and with music blocks, it's just like baked into the interface itself. And then the one extra thing is you need a number for the octave, you know, where the higher number is a higher octave. Um because without specifying that, then you know, you're just kind of stuck in one octave. Um, but, uh, you know, from that perspective, like you can, you know, just from the very beginning, you can reinforce some important musical ideas. Do, do the kids
0: learn, like, the, this is a diatonic scale and what half steps are between the, the the two adjacent white keys and the white and the black keys and that kind of thing on a on a piano? I remember when I took piano lessons as a kid, I had a horrible teacher. All she did was maybe run scales and play music I didn't care about. And it wasn't until I had a girlfriend thousand years later who went to the Jacobs School of Music in, in, in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where I live now most of the time. Um, uh, and then I learned his stuff. I had no idea, you know, and I, I think, but I, I think it helps kids to learn that kind of thing. Early.
2: Let me answer that in, in a couple of different ways. And Devin, I'm sure has, uh... Uh, better. So one one of the inspirations of a lot of this is, again, this concept called constructionism. You learn through doing. Um, so if you want more learning, you want more doing. So a lot of what we try to do is encourage the kids to, to build things. So in music blocks, we're actually, the kids are composing right from the very beginning. They're not, uh, um, you know, so they're not just playing scales, but they're writing music right from the very beginning um, with the language. And so... Um, they they hit a lot of those concepts. And again, we've got some sort of macro level tools for composition as well. There's something called the action block, which is essentially the way to create a phrase. And once you've got this phrase or your melody, you can manipulate your melody, you can repeat it, you can flip it upside down, you can make it change the second time it plays. And these are all things that kids explore right from the very beginning. Now, in terms of, of things like, scale we we expose both sort of scale or stay in the key and half steps so you can essentially a chromatic scale so you can go anywhere you want and the kids can move between those two uh their sort of constructions and 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 instructions blocks that let you manipulate both in and both those ways. There are also um tools to generate chords. Uh, we recently added arpeggio, which is actually really super fun. So you can start to do some of these um, extensions. You take your basic um, set of notes that you've composed with, and you can extend them in all these different ways that uh, musicians do. It's, it's, it's musical concepts, again, that we're layering in. So, Devin, do you want to handle it, too?
3: Yeah. So, actually, this is one of the really exciting things about uh music blocks is um you know in most typical uh you know classrooms it's uh by far assumed that you know you you might not get to composition until um the kids have learned how to read, <laughs> for example um and reading takes quite a a while um you know you've gotta teach you know uh that you've got you know pitch over time for example that you know there's you know this is where no a and b and c and d and you've got these different key signatures and things like that um and so if you start from that assumption that you know kids need to learn how to read music first before they compose that's a lot of time that they're not composing right um, they're not creating their own music. They're not exploring, uh, important, uh, music theory concepts and, you know, um, by themselves, but, uh, you know, with this tool, it's like from the very beginning, um, it puts, uh, all of those music theory concepts, like Walter said, there's, you know, scalar versus chromatic or semitone, um, you know, uh the different kinds of note values um the different kinds of keys the different kinds of intervals the different kinds of chords you know they're they're blocks in this language and so it can make you know some of those uh much more accessible much more quickly and then have kids you know not just you know learn them but explore them uh you know sooner <laughs> um which is a lot of fun um and uh it's like yeah, you can have kids uh you know on their instrument you know compose things, you know, I do that in my class, or you know they can sing, they can do like songwriting, and they don't necessarily need to be able to read um but it music literacy, like having something written down, is a useful thing, you know, and I would argue that what you have with music blocks is you have a way to express you know to write down your ideas, and in fact, uh we haven't shown you this yet, but uh, anything that you make in music blocks. You can export as Lily, Lily Pond code, right? And then you can uh, use the Lily Pond code to generate sheet music. So you can like turn turn it full circle, um, and you know have the kids compose something, export it as Lily Pond, generate a PDF, and then you know bring them to the piano or the guitar or whatever instrument they're learning, and say, okay, you compose this on Music Blocks, and now you know let's perform it and that can be a really powerful thing for for kids that are learning cuz then they're motivated it's like i wrote this i now i got to play what i wrote so
2: the other just one other point because music blocks was sort of built from on top of turtle blocks there's all this art built into music blocks as well so one of the things the kids do is they um they build their own notation systems in music blocks they don't have to stick with sort of the traditional little dots on on striped lines they can develop their own notations and they do that quite a bit as well um, on their on the way to learning so there's not it's not one fixed thing The other thing I, I want to bring up um and maybe this is a little bit uh, premature but we we also have this concept of music blocks that i I didn't build into turtle blocks called widgets, and what a widget is is it's sort of a little ideal that it's this I want to explore this one little concept of music. We've got dozens of widgets that explored dozens of little concepts. So for example, there's a widget that lets you explore rhythm and you pop it open and you basically have a drum machine that you can manipulate. But the cool thing about widgets is they let you explore that idea, but you can also then export what you built back as music blocks code. So you can, yeah, maybe exp-
3: we should. Yeah.
2: Do you want to show like the, the rhythm? Rhythm yeah. So
3: go, uh, down to the, the bottom of the palette, um, where it says widgets. So just a little to the left of where you are right now. Yeah. And then, uh, rhythm maker. It's like the third block down from the top or was there you go. Okay. Now exit out of this. Um, you know, press the X and then, yeah, exit out of the tour. Otherwise it's just going to there and now click on it click right there and so by default you have a whole note um it's a whole length of time which is kind of a long time okay now stop that (laughs) we (laughs) had all right (laughs) and then uh click in the middle and it'll divide it by in half no click in the middle where it says one over one yeah and now you get two halves now click on one of those halves Yeah, click right there, and then click, like, one more time on one of the, the quarter notes. Yeah, so... Yeah. And now, yeah, you can click on, on that one, and uh, you'll get... Now Now press play, and you'll have something a little more interesting than the... So, it's still whole note right? It's going to fit in a full measure of 4-4. We were talking about meters yeah. at the very beginning. Um, anything that you do, by the way, is going to fit into 4-4. Um, uh, but, uh, you know... hmm <laughs> And then, uh, can, you, can you not make it full screen? Because I can't see the whole thing, and I'm not sure if others can either. And then, um, once you have that, then press uh, one of the, the ones in the left where it has a down arrow under the play in, within the Rhythm Maker. And that will save it as code. Yeah, that's fine.
2: Oh, that's cool. So now you've got a drum machine. Now
0: you, know, you a drum machine. And that, I, I love how this... Um, by the way, this is probably the first show we have where I highly, highly recommend, even if you're listening right now, go look at the video version. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and better yet, get this tool and play with it because I want to, and, and there it is. It's a,
2: there, there's, there are tools for rhythm. There's tools for making phrases. There's tools for manipulating mode. There's tools for manipulating temperament. There's tools for designing Chords and I mean, all, all different types of tools built in. And um, the other thing is, so the tools all have shared some attributes. So one of them is that they all, when all export code. So whatever you design in your tool or you're exploring this idea, you can ex- use to export code for your pro- project. The other is that the tools are all you can program the tools behavior on the way in. So the drum machine, if you look at the code there, there was just one. Snare drum defined on the way in, but you could have multiple drums and multi- and have you know polyrhythms that you're designing, things like that. So you can add a lot of complexity on the way in, just by uh, by programming the widget's behavior on the way in.
3: Yeah. So, we- so
2: yeah, go ahead, Devin.
3: Oh, just because I saw it pop up in the screen. So um, in that widget, for note value, it has one over one, which means that you have one whole note. If you change it to three over four, for example, um, no exit out of this briefly. Um, yeah. So that fraction that you see within the rhythm maker where it says one over one, right there. <laughs> you found it. Click on the top and change that to a three and then change uh, the one underneath to a four. So that's telling it that there's three quarter notes and now click on it. And now you're out of, click on the rhythm maker to initiate it. Now you're out of four, four time. And now you're in three, four time. And it looks like it did its best. Can you, can you clear it up? Like by pressing the uh, erase button at the bottom. Yeah. So now you're in a three, four meter. So there's, there's different ways of, of expressing
0: these things. This is, this is fabulous. And I, I know Dan has a question, but first I have to let everybody know that this episode of plus weekly is brought to you by ACI learning. If you love it pro you'll love ACI learning and all they have to offer. ACI learning has fully customizable training for your team in formats for all types of learners across audit, cybersecurity and it from entry level, Training to putting people on the moon, ACI Learning has got you covered. According to Robert Half, 62% of all tech managers plan to expand their teams in 2023, and 88% said it's challenging to find skilled workers to fill available roles. Take advantage of these opportunities and let ACI Learning help you get your IT tech career started. With ACI Learning, gaining these certifications and increasing your salary has never been easier. The most sought after tech jobs in 2023 are cloud engineer, database developer, DevOps engineer, front-end developer, help desk tier two and three, network administrator, network security engineer, software developer, software engineer and system security manager. The average salary for an entry-level network administrator is around $75,000. ACI Learning's Network Support Specialist Program provides the training needed to pursue or advance your career in networking preparing you to take the CCNA certification exam and the CompTIA security and network certification exams. Ultimately, the big difference in salary comes down to specialization. The most popular certifications offered by ACI Learning include CISSP, CCNA, and CompTIA A+. Other in-demand tech skills and certifications offered are technical support specialist, computer user support specialist, information security analyst, and more, Certifications show more than providing a skill set. They signal to employers that you as a professional are committed to keeping your skills up to date. ACI Learning offers fully customizable training for all types of learners, whether you prefer in person, on demand, or remote. Take your learning beyond the classroom and be prepared for your IT career. And it doesn't end with IT. Explore all ACI Learning offers with IT Pro. Audit Pro, including Enterprise Solutions, Webinars, and the Skeptical Auditor Podcast, Practice Labs, Learning Hubs, and their partnership program. ACI Learning supports organizations across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness. Maintain your company's competitive edge with ACI Learning and visit acilearning.com. That's acilearning.com. Okay, Dan, you had a question there. What?
1: Yeah, yeah yeah, um so we've we've talked a lot about um using music blocks to teach music. Uh, to kids, particularly, but one thing I was really curious about and and uh, excited about is that it works both ways because obviously you're also teaching them programming as well, uh, and it, it's kind of solving two problems at the same time. I was going to say killing two birds with one stone. All those metaphors, you know, you've heard them. Before, <laughs> all those kind of things. Um, so one thing I wanted to to quickly show, I'm going to give Ant something to do now quickly is if we can bring up the um, if we can bring up Music Blocks again um i wanted to quickly show cuz uh, walter talked about this before but you can see, you can get the code you can get to see the javascript that um is generating this uh, so if we go on the burger menu on the top right there the kind of the three lines um uh, in the top right on the blue bar yeah and then press the two angle brackets that's uh, next one along to your right there you go um just, i kind of do not know if we can see much in that window it might not be the right one but one of the things i noticed very quickly was i can get the code up and see what it's actually doing and how it's generating what we're doing so how does how um does this work in a, in in a kind of a, pro, a teaching programming kind of scenario it, do, can you get kids to programmatically generate some music and see the results quickly get those results like you were talking about
2: let me start by saying uh, i'm going to quote Thelonious monk oh wow uh, Monk <laughs> said uh, all musicians are subconsciously mathematicians mm. and uh uh, we can also then quote Leibniz, sort of from the other perspective. Music's a hidden uh, arithmetic exercise of the soul, which does not know that it's counting. So there's there's a long tradition of sort of the interplay between math and uh, and music, and that's certainly one of the things that we try to exploit in music blocks. So there's a lot of concepts in math. That's why we 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 make the you know for example we make the um, note value explicitly a fraction because we want the kids to hmm. understand there's fractions there and and they get a sense of, of a lot of the they're learning a lot of math along the way. Um, and I, I want to put a, a pin in this idea of musicians being math teachers and math teachers being musicians. Uh, a lot of my colleagues at MIT play instruments. That's not, that's the norm. That's not outside of the norm. But At mm-hmm. the same time, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of musicians to get into some of the uh, um, uh interesting concepts in math with the kids and uh so there's there's that synergy there in terms of programming again there's there's i mean it's a programming language so there's no mm-hmm. avoiding some of the programming concepts and we've done a lot of uh, we've looked at a lot of the parallels between uh programming and music and there there are lots of them to exploit. So just I mean for just even something like a transposition is basically a a, a transposition in in programming. Or I might I might take something like a um in um, you know, a subroutine is basically an action of music blocks, but that that's equivalent of a phrase in music. Um, so there there are a lot of ways in which we um both implicitly and explicitly build these connections for the kids and for the teachers. And they, and they get it. There's also a lot of, you know, because it's um, a programming language in the web, we do a lot with uh, uh, interface. You can do interrupts. You can, um, you know, add little buttons to launch instruments. Kids do a lot of game programming with music blocks. And so mm-hmm. when they, uh, so they do both the, the sort of the theme music for each of the characters in their games and uh, uh, music that, you know, for the action and things like that as well. So there's, there's just lots and lots of connections there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's exactly what I was thinking because you've got—I mean, you talked about the links between music and, and um, mathematics. Uh, even s- simple concepts like a loop—you know, in programming, we're going to we're going to loop this. It's kind of like saying to the band, "Let's do this another four bars." You know, "Let's do this again, another sixteen bars." <laughs> you kind of—you've got loops kind of built in, haven't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So mm. in effect, I mean Dave, maybe Devin, do you want to elaborate a little bit on sort of the whole m- music teacher concept of-
3: well, um I'm I'm just going to well dovetail um from mm-hmm. what uh Walter and Dan you were just talking about. So one of the most beautiful moments for me was in uh so we did Google Code in um until they stopped uh hosting Google Code In, which is uh, you know, like high school students. Um, you would give them certain kinds of assignments and they could pick them. Um, and, uh, one student, and this was the first example I'd ever seen, um, used, uh, like a variable, you know, and put like number zero in it and then played half of a phrase, um, that had a first ending. And then when it completed the first ending, it uh, ticked that zero up to 1 and then it went through the the phrase again and there's a little test at the end of the phrase that said you know if it equals 1 then go to the second ending and my mind was blown when i saw this cuz i was like this so beautifully and elegantly expresses like what i think as i'm performing you know like in my mind i have to keep track you know um i'm playing a phrase Am I, you know, have I played it once yet, <laughs> you know, or, you know, if I have, then I've got to play it again, but go to the second ending. So there's this, there's like these computational ideas that are inherent in music. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, language like music blocks helps you kind of like mine those ideas um, and express them in a new way, which, you know, and and so like what Walter was saying about, you know, having uh, musicians teach math well music blocks also helps them teach uh, programming too and we've had um, some music teachers that th- this was definitely the first time that they've even touched like a programming language and this was um, you know certainly out of their uh, comfort zone um, to teach with music blocks and we asked them like you know, teach with music blocks go ahead and and, and do this um and uh, you know once they got over the f- the first you know few um, you know hurdles, you know they they really get it and they love it, and they can see how you know these uh, musical ideas um are really well expressed with computation
2: i, I want to just touch on on Dan's original question because I don't think I really actually answered it and uh one way we think about music blocks, not as a, a destination, but a, as a waypoint. Okay. So it's not the, you know, you don't use music blocks forever. You use music block blocks on the way to learning other things. So one of the ways we do that, Devin mentioned earlier, the fact that you can export your music, your composition, your code to Lily Pond and and sort of migrate from music blocks into a more traditional representations of music. Another thing, Dan was showing the uh, the JavaScript export, so you can go from Music Blocks into JavaScript if you wanted to to learn a little bit more about the underlying language in which Music Blocks is written. So the idea is that kids come to Music Blocks, they go off and learn some ideas, and go off and do other things. They might come back to Music Blocks to explore things, but it's it's a, a part of the journey about becoming learned in music, becoming learned in math, becoming learned in computation and computational things so it's it's um a lot of fun it's a great fun part of that journey but it's not the uh, the the entire learning experience
1: yeah it's kind of like a launch pad or a a jumping off point isn't it it's great because it can it can really spark um uh curiosity or or feed the curiosity of the kids into like how does that Mm -hmm. make that sound or how do i do this or or, or so on. um it looks amazing um one of the things i really like about it as well is um the fact that it, it will work anywhere because it just runs in a browser because you you know you're running a javascript thing so literally anybody can run it on i would imagine most devices just by going in a web browser and typing in musicblocks.sugarlabs.org and waiting for it to to come up um was was that one of the one of the, the the great driving reasons for using something like JavaScript, or was it just because you were already basing on a project that was was kind of built in JavaScript?
2: No, no. I mean, we 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 chose JavaScript because we just exactly for that reason we wanted right, to reach right. more kids. Um, I mean, a lot of the tools that we built in Sugar, uh, again, as I said, they they basically are we we wrote our own Linux desktop, and um, built on top of GDK, and it's mostly Python based, um, mm. and that's great for some kids who have access to We originally did it for part of this project called one laptop per child. We wrote Mm -hmm. the interface, the learning interface for one laptop per child. Um, but we weren't reaching as many kids as I think we can reach through a browser. So we decided to Mm -hmm. go that route with music box.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we're getting down into the very short rows here. And, um, I, I've, this is a totally fascinating show. It's a fabulous show. Um, I was reminded uh, that um, of an interview I heard with, with Paul McCartney once, um, where he, he said he, he actually doesn't ever stop composing. And his point was that we don't just read words, we speak words. We're, we're, we output as well as input. And there's no reason anybody c- should not compose music or for that matter, compose code or go the other way. Um, and I love the way one can learn mathematics and music at the same time, even, or or see the connection between the two and the the math of one and the music of the other. Um, it's just, this is a fabulous show. I hope you, you, music blocks is on GitHub. People can jump in and contribute. So that's an important thing. Want to get that out there. Um, so to, to to wrap up, we always ask: Are there any things we haven't asked that you'd like us to have asked, um, and or that you can answer quickly? <laughs> Walter shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
2: I I I I want to just. I, I, there was a project at IBM back in the early 1980s called Writing to Read. Okay, and it was basically oh, wow. okay, you 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 want to read Well, write. You Know and and I, I really took a lot of inspiration from that project. Um, I mean, again, it's long ago in a galaxy far, far away, but uh, um, it's just, I mean, there's just this whole idea of, of again, learning through doing and and giving kids tools to allow them to engage. Um, I mean, that's 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 why it has to be free software, yeah. It's, yeah. Because otherwise, you know, they, they, we're we're putting limits on them, and we we want to give them, you know, we want them unbound.
0: As free software, is it GPL? Is that the yeah? The so
2: the yeah. So uh, it's AGPL.
0: AGPL, so, A that's okay, great. Web things. Yeah, um, we always end up with, uh, end with asking what your favorite text uh, text editor and scripting language are. So, you have to get four answers out of this. Doing my math.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm I. I'm an Emacs guy from way back, so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was. I would guess.
3: Uh, and how about you, Devin? I'm just going to keep the audience guessing. <laughs> That's no, fine too. no That's I good. I I also use uh, Emacs. Um, it uh, I understand the the commands, um, and uh, I love. Speaking of learn by doing, you know, from the very beginning, it's got a tutorial. Learn by doing.
0: Yeah. So, that's the way to go. Well, it has been fabulous having you guys on the show. Um, Love to hear how things go. Should have you back at some point to, to give us a progress report when you're overcome by demand um, (laughs) or whatever else may happen Uh, that this has been great. And by the way, I, I miss Cambridge and I miss Arlington and Newton and all those places, North of the river and South by the way. So (laughs) I love Boston, too. Anyway, um, so great having you guys on. Yeah, thank you you for having
1: us. us. Yeah. So Dan, that was great. Yeah, really great. I mean, it's such a great tool. And um, I love what they're doing in promoting, as I said, both programming and music and and this way of, you know, um, learning. I I learned something today. I learned about constructionism is. I, I ended up looking that up. (laughs) <laughs> um, on the, or or two, I think I kind of understand it. I, I ended up looking that up after uh, reading some of Walter's work on on, on some other sites today. Um, it said a lot about constructionism, and I come from a this. This is not related, really. I come from a family who are all uh, well. We would say builders over here. You'd say they were in construction over in the US. And yeah. um, so I looked at that, and I was like, "Oh, constructionism—that sounds right up my street." Um, so yeah, we 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 liked building things with blocks and and all that, and it all relates. All the metaphor all works for. For uh, you know blocks and all these things that we have in code and in music and so on, um, so yeah, really great. I would encourage everyone to go to just open your web browser, go to musicblocks. Uh, I'll get it right. Musicblocks.sugarlabs.org, uh, and it'll load, um, and it'll be fine, and and you can try it out. Or you know, if if you don't want to watch the video of us trying to prompt Ant to do I, stuff, we did a great job on that. I, I, I'm
0: going to follow up to myself. I'm I'm to- so curious about this, and one of my great regrets is that I did not become as musical as I meant to be. I I, almost entirely a listener, but I would love too late. Play with it. No, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. Um so uh what do you got to we've
1: gone kinda long in the show, so what would you like to plug, Dan? (laughs) Uh, I haven't got a massive amount to plug. Um, you can check out uh, if you go to my website danlynch.org. You can find stuff on there. My blog's really out of date. I need to update that. Um, if you're in the UK, well, actually, now, I was going wherever you are, actually, I was going to say if you're in the UK, but for everybody, um, I'm doing a, I do a radio show now on Thursday nights, um, which you can find. Um, I'll post the links on Twitter and and Mastodon and all those oh, sorts wonderful. of places. Um, but it's it's on the web. It's it's uh it's also streamed on the web, so you can find it. It's a hospital radio station that I helped. Support as well. So I play a a strange mixture of of various tunes. It's called the Midweek Pick and Mix, is the name of the show. Uh, So uh, yeah, it's fun. A a hospital radio station, meaning that it broadcasts on airwaves. Yes. You get it on FM radio or? Wow. Yeah, it, I don't think I think this might be a, a purely British kind of tradition. Uh, I've mentioned it to a few friends and they were like, why do you have a hospital radio station? That doesn't make any sense. But um, it goes back in history over here for some reason. Um, one of the things that, that they decided would be great for people in hospitals, which, you know, they're sitting around, they want entertainment, they want information, they want all that kind of stuff is to have radio stations in hospitals. Um, wow. Uh, Yeah. So a lot of the kind of famous radio DJs and stuff over here started on hospital radio and we still have hospital radio stations. I'm a radio uh, guy
0: and I never heard of it. So this is interesting (laughs) to me.
1: Yeah, so. I don't think they do it in in other countries. I don't know why. But there you go. So yeah, we get to we get to play requests for people in in the wards and and various things. Um, I like to make silly jokes. Like I, I'll play, you know, I'll say this one's for everyone in the radiology department. This is Blondie with Atomic or or something like that. You know, and that's not a great yeah. joke. I, I I do have some better ones, I promise. Um, than that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you can check that out. It's uh, arrow sound. It's the uh, arrow sound as in, you know, arrow as in an, an arrow from a, a bow. Uh, it, arrow sound is the name of the station. If you search arrow sound hospital radio, you'll find it. We'll get that in the show notes too. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you everybody. I, next week we have, um, I may mangle his name, but Alex uh, Belakryloff, I believe it is. Um, uh, and, uh, and he's going to be on the show should be interesting encourage everybody to come back again next week and to watch this episode as well as listen to it because yeah. <laughs> it was instructive and thanks a lot we'll see you all next time hey folks i'm at Pruitt. i have a question for you how do you think your hard team with a club twit corporate subscription plan of course show your appreciation and reward your tech team with a subscription to club twit keep everyone informed and entertained with podcasts covering the latest in tech with the Club Twitch subscription, they get access to all of our podcasts ad-free. And they also get access to our members-only Discord, uh, access to exclusive outtakes and behind-the-scenes footage
2: and special content like the Fireside Chats that I enjoy hosting. Plus, they also get shows like Hands on Mac, Hands on Windows, and the Untitled Linux
0: Show. So, go to twit.tv slash Twitch and look for corporate plans
1: for complete details.